0: welcome into another episode of the nba you podcast we're so thankful to have you here and we have a very special guest today we are bringing in the orlando magic beat writer for the orlando sentinel and my friend kobe price what's going on man what's up man how you doing oh just living the dream we're trying to uh rise above all these technical difficulties that uh that the hurricane amongst other things have been uh, bringing us but we're here you know we're not going to let a hurricane stop us we're uh, we're bringing the content anyway so uh how did uh, everything go with your you and your family all right your house intact
1: yeah no i got i keep telling people i got lucky and blessed i had my power on the entire way Wow. internet connection the entire way no flooding in the immediate immediate area around me. Uh-huh. So I got I got very lucky and very blessed with this hurricane. My first time experiencing hurricane like anything. So <laughs> right, I would not be mad if it was also the last time. It was I had to experience some kind of hurricane like activity.
0: Yeah. no doubt. you're from Chicago originally, is that?
1: Yeah. Born in in Indianapolis, okay. raised in Chicago and Chicagoland area. So yeah. You yeah, a lot of hurricanes, no hurricanes. happening. No, no storms. No storms. <laughs> yeah, you no got to deal with that, which
0: up. is arguably, in my mind, maybe a little scarier than than a hurricane for me. But it might just be a geographic uh, situation there.
1: So, with I asked Jalen. Jalen sucks about this. Yeah, uh, we were just asking like the guys. Like bro, this would have been Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday before the hurricane really hit, and we just asked the guys like, have you "Ever had to deal with this?" And then Jalen was like, no, never. He's, you know, Minneapolis, he's like, or Minnesota. He's like, the only thing I've ever had to deal with was the polar vortex. And I remember that. I was like, oh, yeah, that was (laughs) the polar vortex. I think of either 2018 or 2019. I remember being in school and basically not leaving my apartment for like two, two and a half days because it was just too cold. And I took some ice Take that back. I took some water. Yeah. And the whole thing was if you threw it in the air, it was so cold, it would turn into ice. <laughs> no way. Grow. Wow. Uh, or not ice. It wouldn't turn into ice. It would turn it would into, like uh, slushy. It would evaporate. Oh, yeah, it would evaporate. Yeah. There we go. I did that. I have a recording of it on my phone. I'm pretty sure, but it's going to take a lot to find that. That was like three, four, no, four or five years
0: ago. Yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah. That's a, that's a lifetime ago at this point. Four or point, five years ago. Well, I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you made it through. I'm glad, uh, Training camp is back and, and rocking and rolling for uh, the Orlando Magic. Super excited to talk about this team. I've uh, not been shy on Twitter about uh, being an Orlando Magic fan, uh, being a Central Floridian, uh, born and raised, um, even though I've, I've gone out uh, to greener pastures in Dallas uh, I'm still a Central Floridian at heart. So super pumped to have you on kind of talk about these things. Uh, we just had media day. Um, and I kind of wanted to just get a feel for like what the sights and sounds are like at media day and at training camp. Like, have there been just any standout moments? How was that experience for you?
1: Yeah, with media day, media day is like the first day of school. So to me, <laughs> media day, if and if, you, and if you, you'll get it when I say this, Media Day is the first day of school and then training camp. The first day of training camp is the first day of class. <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows they're two very distinctive things. Uh Media Day is just there's a lot of energy guys. You know, some guys, you know, they they were gone for a decent amount of the summer, like Franz Wagner. Right. Uh he was gone for a you know, he was in Orlando for a, a significant amount, but he's also with Germany from what July, most of July yeah. in, or most of August and a decent amount of September. So for the guys, just a lot of them getting back together for the first time in a few months. There's a lot of energy. Guys are happy, excited. Uh, just, you no, know, every, all the vibes are good. Like, that's yeah. the best way I can say. It. And If you're, especially your young team, like the Magic, a lot of young guys, you know, coming to the year, you had a relatively good off season, like relative to what was expected. You know, yes, their injuries are part of it, but none of the injuries were, long-term injuries. Yeah. So everybody's feeling good. Uh, people are just smiling, <laughs> being goofy. Jalen Suggs has a GoPro. Just <laughs> yeah, capturing everybody with it. Uh, so yeah, it's just, every, everybody's just feeling good. And then obviously the first day of training camp, first practice, it's more or less the same. Now guys may be a little bit more windy because they're there, yeah. like, oh yeah, is right back to it. But that that's really it. It's just, everybody has a positive attitude. And they're just excited. It's, it's good energy to be around.
0: Yeah, no doubt. That's a uh, syllabus week is over as soon as uh, training camp starts. All <laughs> of a sudden, you're like, wait a second, I gotta really get down yeah. to business here. But that's cool. Yeah, I feel like the media day, everybody, everybody is just chilling and having a good time. Every team is is as optimistic as they'll ever be at training camp. So, if teams seem like a bummer at uh, at media day, then you really gotta just. Uh, project forward and think about how much of a bummer it's gonna be when things actually start getting tough. Kind of like uh like the Suns and and DeAndre Ayton and how sad that was. That really bummed me out. Um, but hopefully there may be uh kind of caught up in those current circumstances they'll be able to rise above but it's it's good to hear it's it's good for my heart to hear that orlando magic training camp and and media day have been have been good vibes good vibes all around that's what we need you know we need some some fresh blood we got the kind of the the new kick-started rebuild we got the number one overall pick in the building like these are all good things. You know, Moe's seems like a guy who can, who can just kind of have a good time and, and enjoy it um, and, and be willing to invite everybody in. We missed a couple of days of training camp due to the hurricane. Have you been present for uh, anything in training camp, any kind of transpirings happenings that have, uh, that have stood out to you as far as how things have gone, especially missing those couple of days?
1: Yeah. So for us, in terms of the access that we get um, as media and reporters, a lot of what we see um after practices they're really wrapping up it's not mm-hmm. we don't we haven't seen them scrimmage we haven't really seen them play or do i guess you know more three on three or even five on five drills a lot of what you see is their post-practice shooting guys are at stations guys are i mean some sometimes you see guys work on individual mm-hmm. um individual drills like earlier today i posted it on twitter you know paulo vanquero is working uh on his handles He's going through dribbling drills, but solo. And you, you may see a guy go off to the side, work on something, v- variety of things. But typically uh, what we see is a lot of shooting and solo work post-practice. Uh, I know this has been a big – I'm sure we'll talk about this at some point. But uh, if you ask many people, Bulbul hasn't missed the three-pointer in, in what we've seen. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I, let me say, I have seen him miss at least one. But most people haven't seen him miss one because he's just been on fire. and uh, they really have been talking up just how good of a shooter he is which i guess was was known but not really because he hasn't i think he's only played what yeah, 53 played, games yeah. so you, and he was drafted in 2019 so you almost lose sight of what the skill set is so you see that there's a lot of guys just like i said working on their handles working on their shot and that's really what at least when we're there in person we get to look at
0: very cool yeah absolutely and the
1: interaction between players and the interaction between players and the dynamic and at one point, and I think one of them or both of them posted on their social media. We didn't I didn't get to see the whole game. It looked like the game was starting, but RJ Hampton and Cole Anthony were in the midst, or they had just started a one-on-one game against each other. Ooh. That's a fun no, one. I don't know who won. I haven't spoken with either, <laughs> of, them, either of them since. We're going
0: to have to follow up with you and, and hear the, the details of how one-on-one went there. Yeah, are there any, like, friend groups in the team? Like, is there, like, strong buddies that are, are kind of always hanging out together, or is it just kind of seem like the whole squad just sort of hangs out?
1: It seems like the whole squad sort of hangs out mm-hmm. a, a decent amount. You, I guess, you, you know, you almost kind of want to break it up in a way because I would sp- – I, I would say the guards are kind of tight just because okay. they, they played with and against one another decent enough, but all of them, the more, like, I want to, like, I watch that dynamic. I'm watching like, all right, who's interacting messing around with who, but it changes like almost like a day-to-day basis. Like the guys are kind of so that so well and tight knit mm-hmm. that everybody's hanging out or messing around with another person. Yeah. Like we saw in the vlog, like Jalen was messing with Franz and he's messing with Wendell. Like they're all interacting that way. Nobody, there's at least from what I've seen, there aren't really like clicks like that, or like, that's cool. oh yeah, the bigs hang out, or Apollo and Caleb just hang out because they're rookies or stuff. Like, everybody right. kind of interacts and mingles in that way uh, with one another, which makes for a cool dynamic because you never know who's going to be hanging out with who, or yeah. who's going to be messing around with you who. You don't know where
0: the comedy is going to come from.
1: <laughs> yeah, or who's going to be challenging each other to a one on one game. Like, you just sure. don't know uh, where that's going to come from.
0: Yeah. And that's part of the benefit too of, this team is very similar to the team we had last year. I mean, it's as far as, you know, guys coming and going, a lot of continuity from the previous season, bringing back most of the guys and then obviously bringing in a couple of rookies, you lose Robin. Um, and there's some, you know, there's some switch up, but for the most part, it is a very continuous team from last year. And that allows guys to just have these long-standing relationships. They could actually kind of kick it with each other. And that's the thing when you spend time, like, just like any family, when you spend time with people, even if they're not super similar to you, uh, if you have enough time and longevity with them and like care about them, you're going to be able to kind of kick it and have a good time. Um, so it's good to hear that that's kind of what the vibe is reflecting, uh, from training camp and what, what that team is looking like. And I think that plays out on the court, like that, that plays a role when guys are actually friends. Uh, it's not the end all be all, but, but it plays a role and it allows guys to communicate better, um, and hopefully challenge one another better. And that, that is the goal. Um, but cool. So the the Overall, uh, the main thrust of what we got going on today is just going to be seven big questions facing the Orlando Magic. Uh, tried to keep it nice and uh, nice and radio friendly, you know, have a segment. Um, we're going to be hitting on some things, going to have some mailbag questions thrown in there. Twitter got involved, which is always a good thing, uh, <laughs> depending on how you look at it. Um, but yeah, so we got seven big questions. Um, we can kind of linger on them as long as you want. We can make them quick hitters. Uh, however, it, however it plays out, um, we will go that direction. So, uh, I came up with some of these, some of them were sort of helped shape by what the fans wanted to know from you since, you know, you have some of that inside access that we're all hoping and looking for, and uh, whatever you don't know, you can just kind of make up, and that's always a good time. So we're gonna, <laughs> <laughs> so so we're gonna start seven big questions. We're starting number one. Uh, this is something that every Magic fan has been wondering about. Will always be wondering about. It seems is what the Orlando Magic's health situation looks like. Um, there is always radio silence from the front office. Uh, there is never a timetable. Uh, and we are always pretty much held uh, at, a, at an arm's length uh, when it comes to injury updates. Uh, but we have a lot going on. I mean, we have Jonathan Isaac coming back from the never-ending injury. Uh, he hasn't played a game in, what is it now, 18 months? Is it 24 months? It's been two full years, I think, of real time, which is pretty wild. Uh, Markel Fultz stubs the toe, uh, and it's broken, which is unfortunate. I can only imagine how bad that hurt. Uh, we have Jalen Suggs had off-season uh, surgery there's just a lot, a lot happening. And I wanted to kind of get a feel for, uh, what the, what the tone was like uh, surrounding those guys. And I want to start with Jonathan Isaac. Um, I know he's not doing five on five work right now and contact stuff. Uh, have you heard anything kind of trickling out about that? Have you seen him walking around? Does he look limber out there? What's, what's the vibe on J I?
1: Yeah. So I guess, uh, before we get to Ji, I I guess I want to, uh, you mentioned Jalen sucks. Jalen sucks is all good. He had his off season surgery. I think it was, it was in April. He's all good. That was so, that was so early in the off Right. Um, he's, he's fully, he's 100%. all he's yeah, he's all good. good. Um, cause I think that was like a late, I think that was a late April surgery. And I know he was, he was going, he was, he returned back to the floor. I think it was in late June. He told me it was like right after the draft. I think it was, you know, better yet. It was, it was during uh he was there he was present for paulo and caleb's introduction to the media and he was sitting on the floor and i just asked him like, i just asked him and he said yeah he, he was getting back on the court that week um after surgery so he's been good he was planning pickup uh that's over the summer too so he's all good uh
0: did you mention gary harris with him? oh true yeah uh, gary harris as well yeah. yeah with the meniscus right
1: yeah yeah meniscus surgery that uh, i think it's uh arthroscopic meniscectomy. There we go. <laughs> wow, nice. You've been practicing that, that had, You all, well, I've been listening to that for like <laughs> too many times. He had that, I think, the the very end, the last day of August. Are there 31 days in August? Because if there is, it was August 31st. Yeah, 31. Was, all right. So yeah, he had that on <laughs> August 31st. So, and then you have, obviously, we'll go back to J.I. I have, so the first, after media day, the first uh, day of I guess official training camp posted very, I guess, longer videos of like his work that people mm-hmm. can check out after they listen to this. Um, He's moved, like he's moving well. Like if you watch him, you can tell, Oh, you know, he's like, he's doing actual basketball things, closeouts, drives, handling the ball. Like he's doing all the things that, you know, you would expect from a basketball player on the basketball court. Like he's putting these things together. Um, It's, it is more one-on-one work. I think he is doing contact, but it's not, you know, with, in a five out five set. Right. Um, excuse me. So, but it's, it's going to be more individualized. And with him, he told us, like, he's recovered from the knee, um, from the knee surgery that he had. At, what was that? Uh, August 2020. Yeah. September 2020. It's been, like by the time no. October, we're in October, it's been 26 months. You, you said 18, 24. It's been 26 months Man. since he played, I think, what, the last, um, in August 2020. So, he says he's recovered from that injury, but also the right hamstring surgery that he had in mid March. Um, He said he's recovered from that or late March rather he's recovered from those injuries. Now it's about getting back into game shape and taking all these aspects of his recovery of his rehab and putting it together. You know, the jumping, the running, the sprinting, Mm -hmm. the moving, all those, all those parts, just bringing them together to get back into game shape and putting them on the floor. And when I was watching him in practice and like I said, people, you can go on my Twitter feed and, if you just go to my name, look up Jonathan Isaac. I know I post a lot of clips, but you'll can you you'll find watch them. Them, all. You know,
0: yeah, watch them. Yeah, or just
1: watch them all. Yeah, <laughs> might as well, right? You can tell, like, he's putting it all together. He's moving in that way. But you can tell after each drill, it seemed like he was winded. And mm-hmm. it looked that way because, you know, after each drill, it was like hand on knees, okay. a little out of breath. And I don't say that to alarm people, but it's also a reminder of, oh, yeah, this guy hasn't played. Competitive basketball in over two years, and while he may be recovered from the injuries, he also has to catch up on the time that he missed in terms of the conditioning, in terms of getting his body ready to play NBA. You know, NBA basketball. So that's kind of based off what I, based off what you know, they're telling us, and based off what I see with my own eyes. I think that's kind of where he's at. The injuries he's recovered from, but now it's about getting his body back in a place where he can go out there and be right to play NBA basketball and not risk himself for further injury by not being, cause that's when guys sometimes get injured, you know, when they're compromising, when mm-hmm. they may be compromised, they may not be the best condition. They may be laboring something. They want to make sure when he goes back out there, there aren't any hindrances in that sense, you know, he is well conditioned. So he's not going to have an injury or be like compensating for his lack of conditioning by putting more, I don't know, more stress on his joints. Sure. Right. Or more stress on his knees or on his hamstring or on, you know, any of his lower extremities. So I think that's kind of where he's at, you know, getting back into that game shape, getting back into that NBA basketball shape so he doesn't risk further injury as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's, as a Magic fan, as someone that's part of the community, there is just this Jonathan Isaac being sort of a figment of our imagination at this point. And sort of, it's just been so long that uh, it's hard to even conceptualize um, him back on the court and if it seemed that long for us we can only imagine how long it seemed for him and how long that's been since he's just played competitive basketball and you, you make a great point even if he's recovered from the injuries that takes a lot of time to get into not just game shape but just to get in, into practice shape you know like that's the when guys are out for a little bit of time like they kind of have to work back to get into game shape but he's not even in um, just regular cardio shape when you when you're working on recovery that way you just have so much strength training to do um you're not really able to do a ton of cardio because you're you're laterally compromised and uh it's exciting to hear that he he feels fully recovered and that the medicals uh, are looking good and that he's moving well and that perhaps just getting to a point uh, where he can safely play basketball again uh, for cardio and where his body is prepared and fine-tuned in the way that it needs to be to be a professional athlete uh, that's what's kind of holding him back from, from being around at the start of the season. And I think that's, that's an encouraging word to hear. I would say um, uh, coming from camp. And then, right. Then, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah.
1: And I was going to say, I do. And I do want to make, make it clear that I do, I do think he has recovered from these from yeah. these injuries. Like he's done the rehab, like is for, and we sometimes we think about it, like, Oh, he's been out for so long, but a lot of that time, I, majority of that time he's been, he's been rehabbing. Right? right. So like you're saying, he, you know, he's been rehabbing and maybe working on his skills, but, he hasn't had a whole lot of time to actually, you know, work back into being ready to step back onto the floor, like the kind of quote unquote ramp up period that right. we heard about Markel going through before he returned. Not the same. He hasn't been able to do that. And then it's been, and then maybe if he didn't have the hamstring issue, he would be ready by day one at training camp, right. but then you have the hamstring issue and then that throws things off. And then you have to, I don't want to say, start from ground one, but you have to, even if you're in a holding period you still have to wait and wait a little bit of time before you can go back up like even if he wasn't whatever day that was march 15th i think he had the hamstring injury even if he was a couple of months away from you know returning because they ruled him out before he had the hamstring injury Mm -hmm. even if he was a month or two away well he's still probably going to be a month or two away even when he recovers from the hamstring if that makes sense 100 um so he now he now now he needs to get back into the you know not only am I recovered, not only am I well-conditioned, but I'm ready to actually get on the floor shape, too, right. like you're saying.
0: No doubt. Has there been any word about what – I know they don't do timetable, but are there rumbles about potential landing spots for when he's expected to come back?
1: Uh, not not at this moment, and I believe me, once – if I get an <laughs> inkling of something, I'll, I'll be sure to – let people know because I know that's very much, yeah. uh, very much desired.
0: Yeah, we're foaming right at the now. mouth over here for anything.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that intel information is more valuable than gold.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that is. That's what's keeping Jeff Weltman alive right now. He's like, I need to, I need to hold this near and dear to my heart because this is what I got this is my most valuable item of information. Um, and how is Markel looking? How is, how is his spirits with the toe? Um, are we, he, I heard him say he was hoping to come back for game one. Is that even plausible? Do we have any idea?
1: Yeah, Markel, I was speaking with him. I was speaking with him uh, during media day and I was just like, dang, man, what happened? And just, he was explaining the situation. He's like, I'm not like, he wasn't stressed about it at all. Yeah. He's like, he's, I, he, he I, I don't, I want to paraphrase, paraphrase. I don't think he said this exact thing, but he said, I've something along the lines of, I've been through so much worse. This is
0: just, yeah, it's just a it kind of just rolls off. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, small bump on the road from him uh, relative to what he's been through before with the ACL and then obviously the shoulder uh, issues that mm-hmm. he had earlier in his career uh yes I I know he he's he mentioned trying to come back uh for game one you know that is a little over two and a half weeks away for the start of the regular season he's still as of I guess pull back the curtain uh today is Sunday uh, October 2nd the first game is Wednesday October 19th I'm pretty sure that's a Wednesday. I would be surprised if he was ready to be back game one just because he's still in the boot. He's still in the boot as of October yeah. 2nd. So he will need some time to work his way back. The Yes, it's a broken bone. He's not going to be out for long. Um, and the rehab from a broken bone isn't that extensive. It's mm-hmm. just like kind of building the muscle back up after not being used. But that does take time. Um, speaking with a foot specialist about this. They gave him mean, it was a pretty wide range of time between four to eight weeks basically after mm. injury. It's for a not he didn't have surgery. So for a non-surgical broken big toe, it can take like I said, a wide range, four to eight weeks, basically a month or two to come back from. Sure. Um, a month would be by the time of the first game. You know, he'll he'll be probably out of, I would imagine he'll be out the boot by then, but he may still try and build the muscles back up to get there. But he also you can tell he's in. He looks like he's in better shape now than he was than he ended the season. Um, so maybe that'll help him, I guess, get back on the floor quicker and make the uh, the muscle – it's an A-word, atrophy, atrophy, nice. whatever. Yep. Nailed it. What, what, whichever one it is, <laughs> <laughs> um, it'll, help, it, it'll help make that, I guess, not as bad. But it'll still take a little bit – I would imagine it'll still take some time to work, you know, get the muscles back stronger, make sure he's all good before – even after he comes out the boot. So – I'm not ruling, I would not rule out the first game. I just personally would be surprised if he came back by the first game. Unlikely.
0: Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And then hopefully we get to see uh, Gary, Gary Harris, Harris come back soon. The greatest nickname in sports. Uh, We love Gary. Uh, I was penciling him in as my de facto starting two before he went down, which may or may not have been correct, but now we'll never know. So I'll just call it a W in my book. Um, And hopefully we'll see him back real soon as well. I do want to kind of move things along a little bit just because the the health conversation is, is a little bit of a sad place to start, but you know, you got to get it out of the way, you know, that's the elephant in the room and now we get to kind of move on, talk about some fun things uh, and probably overhype the magic a little bit uh, and push some agendas. So that is, that is the goal. (laughs) That is the goal for this uh, afternoon recording that we have going on here. Um, And what I want to touch on next is just what, your view is of this Paolo and Franz duo that we have. So let me set the stage for you a little bit, and then I'll kind of just let you ride. Um, Paolo and Franz, we have a couple of guys who are six foot 10. We have two guys who are initiators offensively, who are versatile defensively. They could pass, they could score at three levels. Um, And it is just an incredibly well-rounded front court that we have. You throw in Wendell as well, but just to stick with these two young, with 19 and 20 years old, um, just incredible players uh, that are building blocks for the Orlando Magic moving forward. Franz had a ridiculous Eurobasket run. He looked great out there. Was absolutely carrying Germany for for part of the time out there when Dennis Schroeder wasn't uh, doing his <laughs> doing his thing. Uh, and then obviously Paolo is the number one pick. Absolute monster in transition. Uh, can create his own stuff off the dribble, super polished coming out of Duke, uh, absolute man-child, physically imposing, and ready to just come in and score a lot of points as a rookie. Um, What is is your view and what is even the sense of the organization's view um, on the Palo and Franz duo? Do they they view them as having an incredibly high ceiling? Do they view them as the the two people that we're building around long-term?
1: Yeah, so I guess in terms of that duo, um, we ha- we haven't really spoken. I haven't at least not me. I haven't spoken to them too much directly about that duo sure. specifically. About like, are these your building blocks? I think a lot of it they're still figuring out. Like Paulo, you know, you would imagine that yes, is supposed to be a building block as the number one pick, but as of today, he hasn't even played a preseason <laughs> game.
0: Zero NBA games.
1: <laughs> Zero NBA regular season and preseason games, let alone playoff games. Right, so that's when you really find out who's who. But I think, yeah, you, you, would, you would imagine regardless of what direction the Magic go in mm-hmm. from here, Paulo and Franz are going to be a part of that future um, just because of their versatile skill sets, you know, both offensively as well as defensively. So with that duo, I mean, you kind of broke it down. I see, I was going to ask you what agenda you have to push. I think <laughs> I have an idea based off how you're talking, what agenda you're trying to push today. Uh, I think with that duo, you have kind of what just what you want in this league, you know, these bigger wings who can do a variety of things, you know, ball handling, cutting, passing, shooting, you know, get your own shot as a self create for others, but also create your own shot um, one-on-one. And you see that with both of them in different ways, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe Franz, you know, as a driver, Franz is, especially for a young player, like he just has this innate ability, just get into the paint. Um, and not is not it's not this crazy speed or athleticism. It's angles and body contortion and just length and just the, the basketball IQ to just know how to get get paint touches over and over again, how to drive over and over again. And Paulo is gonna be a mixture of the finesse, but also that power. like mm-hmm. he is a legit, you know the the size his size on the roster sheet is the legit size that he is. He's not they're not overselling it. He's, it's very much there. he's just big, strong, solid. Um, he can, he can hit you with the power. He can hit you with finesse. And then I, I think with the magic, I think they really just want to see more of the power from him. Mm-hmm. You know, we speak with Jamal about it and he keeps saying like, and even, even not just Jamal Mosley, but also some of his, te- uh, Paulo's teammates, uh, something Cole Anthony mentioned, like Paolo doesn't realize just how strong he is yet. It's going to take him a little bit of time to just really get, you know, that knowledge of his own body, that knowledge of his own strength, and how to use that own sh- his own strength to create those opportunities, to create those scoring chances, to create those openings. So when you have two guys like that who can, you know, create opportunities for themselves and others in a variety of ways and play with one another, you do have, even if the magic haven't said it themselves, you do have two. Um, building blocks that can, regardless of how you want to build this team, whether you want to go big, whether you want to go small, whether you want to do in between, you have two guys who can fit into any lineup construction, any lineup variation that you have in mind. There's no there's no situation or lineup that these two wouldn't fit into. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I, I think that's what you say is instructive about Paolo as far as his his power and, and that being something that the organization is emphasizing. Um, it's so difficult to find, especially a young player uh, that has that combination of just like power and mass and can actually um, be strong while maintaining like other forms of athleticism. Like he is uber balanced and coordinated um, and he has strong reflexes, especially on the offensive end. Like his read and react is really strong. Um, he has agility and lateral movement, like his change of direction and ability to kind of get low, um, and, and handle the ball and fit his way into tight spaces is, is really incredible. And then when you pair that with that strength and power, you can create separation and make everything easier for yourself. That like unlocks the finesse almost, um, which is, is going to be a really, really cool thing to see, uh, paired with Franz as well as, as Franz is such a brilliant mind and a brilliant cutter, someone who could play off ball. We're starting to see that shooting coming around, especially in Eurobasket. The hope is that uh, that would continue to grow and and he can become like a really top tier shooter. He's a big time free throw shooter last year and a league average uh, three point shooter, which is solid for a rookie, especially at his size. Um, And if he can continue to kind of stretch that out, um, him and Palo are just going to be in an an unstoppable duo. I mean, that is that is a beautiful place to start. And, And it's really unique to Orlando, Um, I was trying to kind of rack my brain and think about, all right, like what other teams have, have two front court initiators, especially like at that size. there's kind of, kind of no one. (laughs) I couldn't really come up with anybody who had like dudes that big that were, that were creating offense for the team. The only thing I could really think of was like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum where they're, you know, forward ish. Um, And they're, you know, like six, seven and six, eight, but they're not, you know, they're not this big. Um, what are your what are your thoughts on that uh, that kind of comparison? And do you think Orlando is kind of breaking new ground with this?
1: Uh, Zion and Brandon
0: Ingram. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a <laughs>
1: now obviously Brandon Ingram isn't. I mean, I guess brand. If you want to like compare like Brandon Ingram to Franz and then Zion, who obviously is like much shorter than Paulo, but has <laughs> yeah, you know he's still very like real thick. super athletic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. super athletic well he slimmed down so yeah good for him yeah yeah, still super athletic and super powerful um in terms of just those i guess when i call them three fours combo Mm -hmm. combos i think that would even be yeah ingram and zion would be another i guess core yeah because yeah i mean you you can't say lebron and ad because that's just a different like ad is more he's more four or five, like Paolo's yeah. not a four or five. Like Paolo's more like three, four, like a power, uh like a bigger forward than he is a four or five, even though he probably at some point will play five. Um, Just when like these lineups, but we're, we're a long ways away from that. <laughs> uh At least conceptually it may happen, but yeah, I think, you know, I, I think there is a similarity, you know, you talk about these bigger wings Um, it, they're bigger than obviously, you know, Paul, I was going to say Paul George and uh, Kawhi Leonard, are two bigger wings but they're even bigger than that uh mm-hmm. in terms of, and also the variety of ways they can attack so i don't know about breaking new ground because i think there are similar um duos out there even if it looks a little bit different especially more so the size i think it's really impressive at just how tall these guys is not just right. the weight but you know Franz 6'9 6'10 Paulo, 6'10 maybe 6'11 um, <laughs> just the size that these guys have it, that makes it in terms of the height that makes it a lot different than what you see, you know, maybe more like with Paul George and Kawhi, maybe more 6'8 to 6'9", possibly 6'10", guys with Paul George or even uh, Ingram and Zion, where Zion's what, 6'7"? Yeah, tops. Uh, six 6'9". Yeah, so it's, it's just – the heights makes it different, but there are in terms of build, you know, mm-hmm. like with Zion in uh, the strength, those kind of similarities.
0: Yeah, and that, that provides a roster construction advantage – where you're able to find these types of guards that don't necessarily have to uh, be your end-all be-all um, as far as initiators. And it, it creates room for guys um, like, like a Lonzo Ball type of player, where it's like this 3 and D guard who can go out and just really focus on uh, defending the, the point of attack and, and uh, their screen navigation and just not locking down on things like that, you know, stopping the transition, you um, and, and knocking down threes on the other end. And that, that is something that is a little bit of a concern uh, with the rest of the roster around these two kind of initiating forwards is where's the shooting going to come from? Um, and that's something where uh, it, it's kind of starting to, to bubble up. It's like, we love Fultz, but obviously Fultz isn't considered a shooter at the moment. Suggs had a really tough shooting year last year. Um, Harris, we don't know if he's part of the long-term plans. He's not on the same... Uh, timetable as these other young guys. Cole is an interesting player because he can shoot, but he's a little more sort of self-creating. And um, is there any uh, any sort of uh, buzz coming from camp about the shooting and, and where we're going to kind of find that shooting and uh, what the young guards are starting to look like? Uh, has there been any improvement there that you've heard of?
1: Yeah, I think uh, it seems like all the guys really locked in on their shooting. Uh, I spoke with Cole about this, and he really – I, I think this this offseason, the summer, allowed some time for some self-reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, and he reflected on his a lot of different things that reflected on his game, reflected on his I I guess something's like a simple way to say, it, but his approach. He, you know, he he realized that especially early last season, a lot of the stuff he was doing, like you say, was self-creation where he's taking, you know, two, three, four, five, six, you know, however many dribbles to create his own shot. And he said, mm-hmm or paraphrasing again but for him a lot of it he's just trying to make things simple more simple for him just simplify things you know he he mentioned he's worked a lot trying to do a lot of off-ball work just so he doesn't have to wear himself down being the sub creator he can you know he can play off Apollo he can play off of France he can play off you know even Wendell like a guy who can create as an officer from Mm -hmm. the big man spot from the center spot like he's focused on yeah that would like all that self-creation it I was able to do it, but I'll be a lot more efficient, and I'll, it'll make my life easier if I play more off ball, or if I just do things a little s- more simple. You know, maybe coming off handoffs, you know, catch and shoot, really honing in on those areas of his games, not so much the, or maybe not as much as the. Let me set this up with Havering dribbles, hesi between, mm-hmm. like all this <laughs> that we've kind of seen. These, this, these difficult drives that leads to difficult shots, and. And yeah, he was able to show that he could do it. But then at a certain point, you know, you get injured, you wear yourself down. And then is, is this harder? Is this something that can be hard to maintain? So it seems like he's focused on that. And even uh, just to, I guess, become more efficient and also pl- better play alongside, you know, create other creators, not just Franz and, and Paulo, but like I said, also Jalen Suggs and Wendell and Markel. Jalen's mentioned that he's he hasn't changed his shooting form or how Mm. he's approaching he's just trying to what jalen's done just be more consistent with his form you know not tilting his head or like keeping his feet the same every time he shoots Mm. keeping his body the same just being more consistent with his form so that he's not throwing himself off or throwing his shot off with inconsistencies when he's loading up so it sounds and you can kind of go down the line like RJ hampton i think is one of the more uh under or less talked about storylines with from last season that RJ took steps as a shooter mm-hmm. um, where he fits into the future of this team is unknown, but at least you, like, you can see with him, he can, uh, he's a guy who, you know, he could provide three and D value and maybe with a little bit of uh, driving kick value and not, doesn't have to be seen as a, as a creator in that sense, he can be a guy who feeds off of these other creators instead of being operating like a quote unquote point guard, like right. he came into the league as. Um, cause sometimes I mean, we saw it in summer leagues, sometimes when he gets into that more point guard mode or like primary creator mode, or even secondary, secondary creator mode, he can get into a little bit of trouble, move too quickly. And we saw that even with Jalen to a point moving too quickly, um, maybe not always being in control. And sometimes you, it can help just to be able to feed off of other guys. But to do that, you need to be better shooters. So you can be seen as more of a threat by defenses. So it seems like guys have worked on their shooting, just not so much changing form, just trying to hone in on what they already have. Um, obviously, Cole, like you said, he's a good shooter. Not, he hasn't sh- shot great percentages, but he's shown at least catch and shoot spot up. He can be good in that role. Jalen obviously has a lot of steps to take, but it sounds like he's taking them. RJ's done so. Uh, haven't talked too much about to Markel, uh, talked too much with Markel about it just because we know he's been hurt, but maybe he's taking steps. We're not entirely sure, but it seems like guys in terms of the guards have locked in on that. It's like, And it's almost kind of clear, like, hey, you have these other creators, like, you have all these guys who can, and that's something that Moses emphasized. Like we have other guys who can be decision makers, playmakers, you know, Franz, Paulo, Wendell. Maybe we throw Bobo in there. Maybe we throw Chuma. Truma's ha- passing chops are pretty, especially for that position are pretty high. So you have guys who can do all these things. All right, cool. Let me feed off that instead of having to do my, having to create my own thing.
0: Yeah. When you have all those, passing and playmaking and creating savants in the front court that's a beautiful thing to have but it does take a certain level of self-awareness from these guards to recognize like man I need to be able to just knock down open shots like these guys are going to have on ball gravity Um, they're going to be sucking defenses in they're going to be making the weak side collapse they're going to be shading on ball uh, towards uh, Paolo and Franz ball side because they know they want to get to the rack Um, And that's going to require these guards to knock down some shots. Uh, Hopefully swole Anthony. Uh, He came back. He's (laughs) looking good looking jacked. Uh, He stopped eating Papa John's and Chick-fil-A every single day and he got himself a chef Uh, and he focused on some of his off ball shooting and that is that is an exciting thing to see I think. Watching these guys sort of bloom into professionals and bloom into uh, people who, who are able to be aware and, and, and be able to recognize where their role is going to be best suited um, and lean into that really hard. That's something that's really encouraging to see and, and hopefully kind of bears out on the court. And that's that's the idea. I love to see that. I wanted to sort of transition that into what your thoughts on everybody, if everybody's healthy, uh, what you think the starting lineup slash closing lineup. Uh, ends up looking like um, and then do you think it'll be any different from what your ideal starting lineup would look like personally
1: so starting lineup you saying so if everybody's healthy what's the starting lineup yeah based off I guess based off I guess what I've seen front court back court front court Wendell Paulo Franz that court, if everybody's healthy, Jalen Suggs. I'm gonna go with Markel mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that if 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 the everybody's healthy, that's what it's gonna be. Uh, or once everybody does get healthy, I think that's what it's gonna be. Uh, closing lineup. If everybody's healthy, see, you? I think you're the. I don't know if you're the first person asking me this. But it's one of the first time I actually had to think about. I've been really about it if everybody's healthy because let's be honest, like it's, <laughs> We're never healthy it yet. hasn't, <laughs> yeah, it hasn't happened yet. So I guess I haven't been put in that position as much. And I guess neither has up to this point, neither has uh, Jamal Mosley just because always working from, I guess, like more condensed platter, not so much the full platter. Um If everyone's healthy, can I get weird?
0: Get weird, man. We love weird. If, Everybody is healthy.
1: Wendell, Ji, Paulo, Franz, Gary. Gary. <laughs>
0: All right. Yeah, Gary. I like that. That is that is a beautiful choice. That is something that we have been talking about a little bit on Magic Twitter for a while. I have multiple uh mailbag questions from born ballin from austin mcclure what are your thoughts on what the jumbo lineup franz at the two can look like whoever that one ends up being if it's gary if it's jalen if it's markel if it's cole we can whoever that is um what are your thoughts on the potential uh look of a franz at the two let me drop this nugget on you real quick before you answer Franz last season spent 40% of his time guarding ones and twos, uh, which is a pretty significantly high number considering most people would have thought he was probably more of a four and uh, maybe a three, um, definitely three when he was next to Wendell and Moe, but spent over 40% of his time guarding ones and twos, spent about 20% of his time guarding threes and another like 20% of his time uh, guarding fours. So he was, all over the place, extremely versatile. b Index had him as like a 98th percentile versatility on defense last year. Um, and he has that, that vertical movement. He, he's smart and anticipatory as far as staying in front of guards. He's maybe not elite at the point of attack, but it's something that I think he can do. And he's probably already a better shooter than pretty much any of the other guard options we have there um so what are your thoughts on what that lineup can look like do you think there's any potential that that actually sees a lot of run so I'm, I'm also
1: like I'm still thinking about the finishing question because I mean I was either going to go with Gary or Cole yeah. for different reasons that was almost going to be like lineup like matchup dependent so I if I can rewind that it's going to be lineup dependent Gary Harris or Cole Anthony in that uh in that closing lineup okay. and I guess I don't. I, I don't. I won't explain too much further, so so I can keep moving. But yeah, I'm gonna say that right there. Uh, you're you're asking about Franz in terms of being at the two or playing in like those bigger lineups, and yeah. he can handle that. Um, you know, there there is probably some a little bit of worry in terms of maybe the screen navigation, and that's not just kind of that's not unique to him. I mean, he's just a I, he's again he's six ten, and sometimes yeah. for yeah, sometimes for big these bigger forwards outside of. Paul George, like who just seems to have like some of the best screen navigation of any like quote unquote bigger forward. Like it can be it can be challenging to get around screens um, consistently or being like chasing guys off ball. It it depends on who that guard is, right? Like if he's guarding, I guess I'm trying to think of some of the um, the the guards, twos, or even off ball guys in the East. Like if he's guarding, say Malcolm Brogdon. On Boston, if, if 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 Boston's going with the Marcus Smart, Malcolm Brogdon, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Al Horford lineup, they may not be as has difficult for him because at least he doesn't have to worry about maybe the off ball screens and mm-hmm. you know Brogdon catching sh- uh, catching shoot off of that. It'd be more so just navigating screen and roll. And with that, it sounds like it'll be a lot of switching implemented. because at least behind with that you'll be able be able to keep somebody keep uh, a defender in front at all times. And if you're playing like I said, Wendell and Ji at the same time, you'll still have a level of um, rim protection no matter what on the backside. And even Franz, you know, he shows he's shown especially more in Eurobasket than maybe even as a rookie. Like he showed more of a willingness to be, you know, no jump and get up and contest shots in that way. Because sometimes he just Franz would be more stationary and not jump yeah. as much. But in Eurobasket, he showed like I'm gonna jump a little bit more. I'm gonna actually contest. I'm gonna use my size and length. So I think Franz, he'll fit into those groups at the two guarding ones and twos. I'm not as much worried about his quickness. I think he's quick enough. I think he he's agile enough. Um, so obviously some guards just naturally are going to have the quickness advantage, maybe get him, get uh, beat him in that sense. But he does have a you know size and length advantage to recover. And he can move his feet more than well enough to be able to stick with some of those quicker guards, at least one-on-one with are ball handling. Maybe when they're running off screens, that's when you worry about it just a little bit. 'Cause it is different navigating through the screens off ball than on ball.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think where he makes up for the difficulties and just mobility in general for being that big, even though he is super advanced uh, in that way, is like he he has a level of spatial awareness. Um, and like pattern recognition and anticipation uh, that is just beyond his years. You know, like he, uh, he just gets it. And I think it clicks more on defense than people assume Um, maybe just because of like the Euro kind of slant there's, there's a a certain misconception of of Franz's defense, but uh, I recently tweeted out, it was the top rookie uh, defenders based on uh, b ball uh, indexes, defensive impact uh, percentiles and then also kind of match that with uh, what their matchup difficulties were to give a little bit of context and we had Jalen Suggs uh, was way up he was third in the league in the in like 89th percentile uh, of defensive impact while still having like an 89th percentile matchup difficulty which is absolutely ridiculous for a guard um, but then Franz wasn't too far behind I mean Franz is I believe in sixth uh, he was still hovering around the 80th percentile in the league in defensive impact. And he had, he was in the 75th or something in that range uh, percentile of matchup difficulty. Um, Orlando put their rookies in really difficult situations last year and they thrived defensively. And it really started to make itself known um, in the second half of the season post all-star break. I, I believe Orlando is seventh in defense, uh, which is an incredible leap um, from such a young team. So it was really cool to see those young guys be able to sort of lock in. And I believe I'm a firm believer in the, the fronds at the two look uh, we could just kind of have two through five, all just lock arms and at half court and defense offenses won't be able to do anything, you know, throw bowl <laughs> bowl in there at the one, you know, it'll be impossible to score. Everyone just raises their hands and it'll be over. But I uh, love to see uh, Franz out there alongside of all those other front court talents that we have. I think that would be a, a really beautiful thing to see. Um, and I wanted to touch on, uh, this is something you mentioned earlier, but you mentioned Paolo at the five, potentially, this is something that uh, Sam at AFC post mentioned in the uh, mailbag, but are they trying to kind of put him at five at all? Has there been any testing with that? Or have you heard any rumbles of that? Um, being so large, I know it's tricky because we have a lot of front court depth, but do you think there's any potential for that?
1: Yeah, I I think they show that they're. The, the When I said they, I think the magic show that they're considering it is more so in summer league when he did play some five, right. especially when I think it was uh, Emmanuel Terry, who was their starting five for the two games that he played was on the floor. And you got to really see, you know, the floor spread out around Paulo with all, all these other guys out, out there, these guards and forwards. I wouldn't anticipate that. Look, It's also, it's also maybe different because like if Paulo's playing alongside Mo Bamba, like people might think that Mo probably correct, that Mo's going to quote unquote the five. Right. But I could also see the magic saying, all right, Mo, you guard this this non-shooting four or whatever non-shooting wing, kind of like how uh Boston used Robert Williams. Right. And you can kind of see this around later, like this, our biggest, longest rim protector guard this wing. Apollo, you guard the five if they're like a stretcher five and we're just going to try to keep Mo closer to the rim so we can protect the rim. I could see that, but so it's five, the, is Powell the five? Is Mo the five? Um, I don't think we'll see a whole lot of Powell at the five, at least not this season, just because they do have a lot of just these bigger, longer guys, like kind of go down the line. You have Wendell, you have Mobamba, eventually you'll have J.I. back in healthy. You'll have, uh, or just you have Bol, Bol. you have Mo Wagner, you have all these. I feel like I'm, i miss somebody, I forgot to name somebody. You 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 have, well, I guess in this lineup, uh he wouldn't be the five. We still have Chuma OK. Um, hope I'm pronouncing that right now. I'm pretty sure that's how he's pronouncing it. Um <laughs> like you you have all these guys and I guess with Chuma and Paulo maybe Chuma's the four and Paulo's the five. And but we saw Chuma play the five last year. So you you do have so many just I guess so many mouths of feed in yeah. the front court that maybe you all you do see Paulo Playing the four or even the three more often than anything else. Honestly, even the one, based off what we're hearing in training camp, there. uh wrote about that a little bit earlier today. But yeah, I, I think you maybe see more of those looks and you don't see as much Apollo at five. One, so he can, you know, physically he's already kind of physically ready, but he can also there not just the physicality, but he can understand the nuances of you know being the five in certain lines, the room protection or room responsibilities that come with that. Um, and then you do have, like I said, more mouths to feed in terms of window. Mo the Mo's rather uh bowl J.I. when he's healthy like just there's so many guys sure. up there
0: yeah no doubt and that's something at least from my um, look at into Paolo's player profile as he was coming out of the draft um, whenever I was breaking down his tape and kind of trying to come up with uh, where he would fit uh, it was pretty apparent to me that he wasn't a five Um, especially at least not right now. Um, and what I think he actually succeeded at the most at Duke was getting out on the perimeter and guarding some perimeter guys. Um, I thought he was particularly good at that. Whenever he was switched onto a smaller guy, uh, he really locked in and was able to use his length super well, um, and was able to be a little more physical, uh, and the only tricky part is, is when he's being brought into um, pretty sophisticated pick and rolls, he was a little bit just sleepy out there, um, a little bit behind on some of his rotational responsibilities. Um, that's something we've seen so much from high powered offensive, like oversized wings in, in college who then come to the NBA and then they're just great defenders. Um, the first people that come to mind are Jason Tatum was considered a poor defender in college. Um, he was able to just come in, uh, be put in the right spot, not as a big, but as a wing defender and be able to lock down and be really good defender now. Um, and then Ben Simmons was uh, like a defensive player of the year. Candidate it was awful at LSU um, and was, is, was lazy. And obviously that's a part of it. Um, but people were like, ah, he's a tweener. He's kind of positionless. You can't really play him at the five, but he's big. Um, and I don't think that's really a problem as long as you can move. And I think Paolo can move perfectly fine. Uh it, it, in fact, he can move exceptionally. Um, and that's something where once we start trying to play him out on the wing a little more defensively, um, I think Orlando is going to see a lot of benefits from a locked-in Paolo uh, and, and recognize him as actually a pretty solid to above-average defender as, po- as opposed to uh, something that's really a negative for him. It, would it be nice if he could play five and kind of anchor the defense? I mean, of course, that would be an element to his game. That would be uh, just an additive and, and would help. But Orlando has the infrastructure where that's not necessary right now. Uh, we have those guys who J.I. and the Wendell and the Mo that can kind of come in um, and be those rim deterrents and, and rim protecting guys and really zap the offense at the rim. Um, I think Powell is just going to be able to go out there and just be a jumbo size wing defender and be be talented at it. And I'm excited to see that alongside of all the other versatile guys we have defensively. Um, it's going to be really good. OK. Thank you for thank you for that. I wanted to touch on one thing that you are most excited about for Jalen Suggs's year two outlook? What jumps out to you? You're like, Jalen Suggs, I'm pumped about this.
1: The ability to have his role simplified mm. and not, I'm not gonna say reduced, but altered in a way that may better suit his game. Um and it's it's I, I, a lot of things that you're saying about Paulo, I agree with you. Like defensively, yes, he's gonna be um I think he's gonna like as long as and I think that we see this with mostly like he's gonna get guys to buy in defensively like we saw Clainthine in his rookie season, not he wasn't defending that great, but that he stepped up even if he wasn't like a great defender, he stepped up um his in his second season. I think he'll take another step in his third. And with Paul and I say that with Paulo, he, I think he's gonna step up step up as a defender, but what we think about really Paulo, is like the offensive creator, the initiator um inside and out. And I think what that'll help do. Is make things for all the guards, but especially for Jalen. It'll help simplify his role. When you look at what Jalen was doing last year, I mean, it was just, he was carrying so much offensive load when he was healthy. Um, you know, running pick and rolls. You know, doing these. I guess in these actions that you know, if you look at his pick and roll numbers, they're they're not pretty at at, at all in terms of like he had a lot of usage in that way, but the efficiency just was not there. You know, that he and I'm sure he'll be better. But I think coming into as coming into the league or when he was coming to the league as a rookie, I think most people realize, hey, this isn't the kind of guard really point guard who you're gonna run through pick and roll over and over again. And he's gonna be like the guy who's like creating everything like uh uh why can I not think of any point guards who just run pick there are they're everywhere, or even Trey, like a yeah. he's, <laughs> Trey Young. He's not gonna be a Trey Young, yeah. he's not gonna be a Cole Anthony, he's not gonna be these kind of self-creating guards that just over and over again, you can just kind of give him the ball up top and say, all right, go at it. He may be more of a connective guy, more that, you know, he's attacking. He's Instead of setting up a defense, he's attacking the defense after someone else, I guess, opened up the opportunity. Like you said, maybe Paulo is on the – whichever block, the left block, and the defense, you know, if Jalen's in the corner, maybe – and it was after a switch, maybe Jalen's defender – Creeps in a little bit, comes to the paint, and Jalen makes a cut, and then whoever else cuts from the opposite wing or from the from the uh, top of the key, and he can be a connector in that sense. Or maybe he cuts from the wing and he gets a he dumps off a pass or gets an alley to somebody in the dunker spot. Like he can he can make a lot of these quick instinctive plays. And I think playing alongside, you know, Paolo or even having more of the offensive responsibility and ball handling shift more toward Franz, I think that'll help him in terms of simplifying the game and also help them see it. Like a lot of some, a lot of the things for guards is this, like the game slowing down for them. And you can tell their points last year, where just the game was coming so fast at Jalen mm-hmm. and that resulted in turnovers, turnover. So play or, you know, not just turnovers in terms of getting stripped, but just throwing the ball away. And I think maybe having a more simplified, not reduced, but just a different kind of rule being in different situations will help him just simply be better and more efficient. Now, obviously I'll have to be a better shooter to be more efficient in more of those spot up roles, but I think it'll help him to have that role. Just like, all right, you did all this, we saw what you can do in these roles. Let's shift more towards the cutting or more towards the secondary or even be the third playmaker in this reading react. Not so much a set, but just more reading react. You know, you're benefiting from Paolo's quote-unquote gravity or Franz's gravity, you're benefiting from their gravity and from what they draw from defenses, now you can attack gaps more instead of having to create those gaps. Yeah. Because I think that's where, at least offensively, defensively, you said it earlier, he's off the charts. Offensively, I think that will help him thrive more than he did last season.
0: 100%. That is, you couldn't have said it any better. That's exactly what I'm excited about as well for Suggs, being able to just tinker his role a little bit he was second in usage among rookies last year which is that's just a miscast uh that's a that's a tank commanding type of decision right there <laughs> and and like that's okay like i like that he got those reps but as you were saying like it was just moving a little quick and and that's normal that's okay and he was put he had a ton put on his plate both sides of the ball uh he was run through the ringer out there um, and I'm excited to be able to see him be someone yeah, who's attacking those gaps. He actually is a good playmaker. You know, like that's the, was he efficient out of the pick and roll? No, the turnovers were heavy. The scoring was awful. Um, but the passing itself, I mean, the vision, I think some of the clips and, and tape that he has, it shows some really beautiful stuff where he's able to hit the weak side corner. Well, hitting some skip passes, really nice little interior bounce passes to Wendell, especially. Um, and those are the kind of things that, you can't really teach that much. Um, and you're able to have, you know, teach and, and through reps, be able to have the game slow down a bit for you. Um, but he's in that guard mold and kind of has that growth curve of one of those types of guards that sort of just bloom a little bit later in their career, usually. So like that Kyle Lowry, kind of Drew Holiday, Marcus Smart, where you're defensive first, um, and you're not this like pure, pure, I'm running pick and roll every play kind of point guard, but you're able to kind of get in there and be a pretty good playmaker and and hopefully eventually hit some shots. And like all three of those guys ended up thriving on teams that were different than the original team that they were drafted by. I guess not Marcus Smart. I take that back. But uh, he was like down no, the road no. where you're it, right. What was that?
1: I know. So you're right, because, well, at least conceptually, the team that he ended up on, like the team that he Yes, he's still in the Celtics, but the team that he ended up you know, thriving with was different than the team that he was drafted to. Like that exactly. team was radically – like the con- the construct of that team was different. Might my- bad, interrupt, but you are right on that.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's the kind of thing where I hope it's for Orlando that Jalen is able to kind of slowly grow into that because those are just extremely valuable and impactful players on winning. And that's something I see Jalen Suggs being able to be – down the road where he's just a winner like he is a big time defender absolute brick wall and he's also able to kind of get in be a nice playmaker and then once the shooting comes along four five six seven years down the road turns into actually a good shooter Uh, those are the kind of guys that that win championships surrounded by other stars Um, and I'm excited to be able to hopefully see that develop this year like the genesis of that um, and be able to watch him grow alongside these other like big time magic initiators as hopefully Paolo kind of turns into this like first option offensive star uh, that we're hoping him to be. Um, but it's exciting to to watch him and and he seems like he has that type of character of somebody who's going to want to blossom into that kind of guy. And that's, that's a really fun thing.
1: I agree. There's actually, and there's one specific action. I wrote about this earlier. I want to see. I'm interested in him and Paulo running in Bernard Pink and rolls with with Suggs as the role man. Hmm. Um, just because I think it will put him. I so I forget who it was. Someone asked Jamal Mosley um, why he likes to run handoffs so much, and paraphrasing once again, uh, don't I don't want to keep direct quotes in front of <laughs> me, but it was along the lines of it helps instead of over dribbling, it helps guys be put in decision making process or standpoints quicker like they don't have to worry about they don't, not doing all the over dribbling like they're making decisions quicker and for Suggs like you said he's a good playmaker I would be curious to see like if it was Franz Suggs or even Paulo Suggs or even Wendell Suggs like Suggs being the guy who maybe gets the dump off pass and he's spraying out mm-hmm. like closer to the paint and he's seeing the floor I think because I think that's a way that you could get him take advantage of his playmaking while also maybe while he's working on his shooting maybe mask the shooting a little bit more I feel the same way about Markel when he's not operating the pick and roll like instead of you can still have them be the guys like making the pass mm-hmm. making the assist whatever making keeping the offense going but instead of being the quote-unquote ball handler the initiator you have them be the role man because you do have these jumbo wings or these bigger guys who can be the ball handlers and you can get your guards downhill quicker because mm-hmm. once Jalen's downhill he can make I think he'll be better at making smarter quicker decisions going downhill I think a way to get him downhill quicker is by being the role man or being put in that position where he's already going at the basket against a compromised defense, as opposed to having to compromise the defense himself and not just like as an off ball spacer, but I'm in this action, the ball's coming to me. I know everybody's at. I already saw it bam, bam, bam. like that. I'm, I'm interested to see uh, if you go to NBA.com, there's no, like they don't show anything from Jalen as a role man. I'm interested to see if we see that more this season.
0: Yeah. thousand percent. Couldn't agree more. Once Jalen gets downhill, he actually is a pretty solid decision maker and passer. And that's something it's, it's kind of the, the Russell Westbrook uh, conundrum of like, how do we get this guy involved in the play without having his shooting being uh, a disaster and being taken advantage of, but still being able to leverage his downhill ability and his playmaking. Um, and people have been begging Westbrook for years to set some more screens, especially playing alongside LeBron. Uh, and he <laughs> refuses to do so, but the the hope would be that we are able to get creative and Orlando's able to uh, get put Jalen in, in situations where he able he is able to just kind of be short roll Jalen, you know, and then uh, be able to get some passes. And that's part of the beauty of having a, a front court, uh, one of the best passing front courts in the entire NBA is, Uh, You can involve your guards in inverted actions and be able to get them going out downhill and put them in easy situations to to score or make a play. Uh, I think that's going to be a really unique aspect of the Orlando's offense this season, especially guys knowing how to work off of one another and be able to hit those passes and and be able to just make magic happen. No pun intended. Um, (laughs) And uh, I'm embarrassed. We might have to edit that out. Producer Steven, please. Yeah, thank you. I, I need that. Humble me. Uh, so next up uh, we want to talk about and you've hinted at this like 30 times and just teasing it out a little I just hear hearing whispers of bowl and uh, just little rumbles from all around the league very exciting times he hasn't missed a shot in 10 years uh, greatest player of all time perhaps you know a little bit of goat talk going on Uh, I want to just hear about what bench guys you're most excited about? Maybe start with bowl. I know you're itching to kind of get that going, but then maybe hit on Chuma or Houston, like who, what kind of buzz is happening at camp and who are you most excited to see this season?
1: Yeah, I'll start with bowl. Cause every, it's not Got me. It's, it's, it's everybody. It's, not, yeah. it's, 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 Ter- it's Terrence Ross. It's Mo Bamba. It's Wendell Carter Jr. It's everybody else who are just raving about what bowl bowl brings as a basketball player. And yet, I mean, it's it's so hard to like I said, he's only played in what some in the fifties, like fifty three games since being drafted in twenty nineteen. He hasn't played a whole lot of basketball. We haven't seen him on the floor really outside of the bubble. Like he hasn't really gotten extended minutes that much, um, the uh, opportunities for extended minutes rather that much. So with him, I'm just very curious. Like it sounds, I think Mo Bamba said it earlier that you know some. Uh, so someone asked like how like how do you and bull compliment one another and he said well i'm like mo saying mo bamba saying this like he's more of the mo Bamba's more of the traditional big man but bull is more of this like perimeter oriented big man and just when you have that when you have that when i say traditional just more like room protection and maybe like modern like modern <laughs> yeah. traditional because the the, the, the quote unquote like quote unquote traditional traditional that's it's it's very different but yeah modern traditional but bulls more of this you know perimeter oriented creating big man who can do pass and create his own shot very agile on that since it's almost so on the perimeter so i think if he's what as advertising not the goat or <laughs> this 25 point per game score but just a guy who can go like in a, in a like a simplified rule space the floor Use your length to just be as a, maybe not the quote unquote like center rim protector, but a secondary rim protector. You know, if you have whatever big man he's playing next to is involved in pick and roll, you can just slide over from the uh, being the low man and you can just protect the rim with your length and your size at seven two. I don't even know how long his wingspan is. Uh, If you can, if he can do that, put all these like raw skills together he just hasn't really been able to then you can get a guy who you know long term could be a contributor for this team just the level of shooting uh and just length and just weak side rim protection there we go that's the phrase i should think of earlier weak side rim protection and we're not even getting to the actual creation skills i don't know if they're gonna i don't know how much the magic are even going to ask him of being that kind of self-creator they already have other guys are probably going to look to be a creator more in that sense, you know, initiating actions, you know, getting the offense going. But in a simplified role, he can provide value to this team as those things, a weak side protector, a disruptor, clogging lanes with his length, um, and just being able to stretch the floor out. Uh, Chuma, his shot, it, you know, I, I asked Jamal about his shot, and I asked him, "Does it, is Something look, looking at it, it looks different to me. Yeah, it, lo- it looks different to me. I asked him if it was sped up. Um, not sped up. If you like, um, it's quicker now. He actually corrected me, um, off camera at least. I appreciate that Jamal, but we can we can let people know <laughs> I, I was wrong on that. Uh, he said it actually it's slower. Like his his lower body is slower. Like he slowed it down. He's not quick. He's not. He, but last season, uh, he was you know sometimes going a little bit too quickly. Now it's a little slower. Like his in terms of the entire. And now I was thinking quicker. I told him I was thinking more so of the wrist and the upper upper body. Is that the entire body like it's slower he's calmer when he's shooting he's a little bit more uh in control he's a little bit more in mm. control and you can tell in practice he's a he he does look like he's improving I think it'll just help Chuma more than anything else to have a fully healthy off season after you know his first two seasons you know first two seasons he's coming off from an extended period of time his rookie season of being out second season I forget the injury I think it might have been a hip or I think it was like some kind of I forget the injury, but he didn't start the season healthy or come into the season uh, healthy. So I think it'll help just be able to get a full offseason to work, be able to work on his game and not have to worry about coming back from an injury. Um, and and that will be big for him. At least from day one, I expect them to be guys who are in the rotation, um, both bulbul and Chuma, you know, in the rotation as, you know, what are going to call it, look at them as the backup three and backup four in that sense. And then Caleb, Sounds like he's a knockdown shooter. Uh, I liked what I saw from him at Michigan. <laughs> yeah, you're crossing your fingers. Uh, I like what I saw from him from him at Michigan. I know it was an up and down season for him, but the shooting ability is there. He may not be, you know, he may not have the shooting versatility that a guy like Terrence Ross can bring. You know, we think about Terrence Ross. It's not just being, you know, not just spots, but it's the movement shooting and the gravity he has with that. Um, Caleb may be more, at least from now, a spot up, you know, uh two feet still shooter to start you know guy you can put in the corner almost in a similar way as Gary Harris um or what we think about Gary Harris being this knockdown shooter from the corners but he does seem to have a little bit more I guess a plus three and D plus skill to him. Um, And I'm interested to see how much he's able he's able to show in that in whatever role. I don't expect him to have this this large role as a rookie, but whatever role he has, I'm interested in seeing like how much he can able to, sh- he's, he'll be able to show what he can do outside of the shooting and be able to defend, you know, across a
0: couple positions. For sure. I mean, bowl is to go back to bowl. He's an interesting guy. Um, to call, <laughs> I wouldn't call myself a bowl believer, uh, but I'm a bull hopeful, you know, I mean, how much fun would it be if that guy is just out there draining threes um, I think he can sort of be this weird facsimile of what Mo Bamba brings in a way where, yeah, Mo's a little more of a deep drop guy defensively, but on the offensive end, they both are just sort of spacing out, uh, maybe able to catch a couple lobs here and there, but are much more shooter uh, oriented, which honestly on this team, I mean, is, is going to be incredibly important, like we mentioned before, to get as much shooting on the court as we can, uh, and And that's an interesting, interesting little piece that, you know, Orlando is hopeful for. And uh, if he provides anything, he's still only 22 years old. If he provides anything, I mean, that's a huge win. Uh, And that's kind of just like a cherry on top. Chuma, super interesting guy. His defense is really good. I really love his uh, ability to create deflections. We have uh, Orlando has a lot of players on the team that are solid defensive players, but they aren't necessarily uh, havoc wreakers. You know, they're, not doing a ton of defensive playmaking, which has its ups and downs. I think there's value in just being solid at times, but you need that variance that a defensive playmaker can provide. And and, and that's what Chuma can be sort of coming off the bench, poking balls loose, getting deflections, creating steals, um, and generating easy offense in in transition for the rest of his team by, by jumping passing lanes and being that kind of guy. Uh, And the shot is interesting. I mean, he started shooting with just like one hand uh, um, last season, which was, not what I wanted to see. Um, as an Orlando Magic fan, it was a little funky. Uh, the, the, I've seen some clips of him shooting where he does seem to like be using his guide hand a little bit more now. Uh, I don't know how consistent that is, but we're just going to have to see as far as what Chuma looks like offensively. It's good to hear that he wants to be a little more under control because uh, there is some scoring flash there. You know, He has a little bit of the perimeter creation. He can kind of work in, in the mid-range a little bit as well. Uh, And hopefully you can sort of start crafting out a little bit of ISO game. I think that'll be important on this team to just have someone who can do a little bit uh, outside of the flow of the offense. Sometimes where this offense is going to be just sort of flowing a lot of DHOs, a lot of cutting, and somebody to just sort of transcend that for a bit end of shot clock situation type thing where he can just sort of kind of come in and cook and do a little bit. And I, and I could see that with him. And that's something that I'm excited for him to continue to expand. And and I'm hopeful that he'll be able to do that. Then Houston's very interesting. I mean, at Michigan, he often looked like pretty lost to me when I was reviewing tape. Uh, there was some, just a lot of moments of, of sort of floating. Uh, some people would would question the dog in him, uh, which is <laughs> uh, is interesting to, to think about where you get this guy's top 10 prospect coming in, top five maybe even uh, pre- uh, college you know coming into the rivals rankings super highly rated big time versatile wing supposed to be at this knockdown shooter and just kind of comes in and floats for a year you don't really know what to make of it uh and those are the rumbles i was hearing coming into the draft he slips down a little bit further than he originally was anticipated to orlando snags him and then in summer league he looked he looked good like he he had these these moments where he was he was playing really smartly he was able to to follow up and get a couple of offensive rebounds. He was running his lane really well in transition and kind of getting ready to just knock down some shots. Uh, He has the high and tight and quick release. Uh, Really the key is just going to be, can he knock down shots at volume right away? Uh, And that's going to be, is he able to do that? Can he, and then long-term, can he turn himself into this like Cam Johnson type of not superior athlete, but solid and big and able to knock down threes at a really high clip off the catch and shoot and off of movement, hopefully. And that's, that's the dream for him. Uh, And I don't think that's outside of the realm of possibility. Obviously that's going to take a little bit of time to, to develop. And and this season, it's going to be tough to find minutes. This team is pretty deep, Uh, but I have, I have high hopes for Houston as well to, to be able to just be this quick release shooter that maybe can sort of jump into the T Ross role a little bit uh, once T Ross is maybe uh, not on the team anymore. But at this point, maybe T Ross will be on the team forever. I mean, who knows? Uh, And that serves as a perfect transition. Didn't even do this on purpose to who are the potential trade candidates. I want to ask on the roster who you think is maybe most likely to be dealt this season or even before the season starts. I believe the roster is uh, at 16 right now, which is not uh, how many are going to be on the team when we start the regular season? Uh, so who are your thoughts on maybe who could be traded on the roster? And then maybe organizationally, the types of guys that Orlando might be trying to target in a trade uh, to bring in, or maybe even in free agency moving forward.
1: Yeah, so yeah, they're at 16. Uh, Got to get down to 15 by October, but before opening night. So by October 17th, I think, because the first game's October 18th. They have to be down to uh, down to 15 standard roster guys plus two uh, two way guys. I mean, I think I I, I know that Gary and uh, Gary and Terrence are are going to consistently be the guys, uh, like mentioned, just because you know they're more veteran, they're uh, maybe at a different stage. I. I You know, I I think with Gary, I'm not so sure. I'm not as sure anymore just because like, look, he could have become a free agent. He chose not to, like, uh, he didn't, he didn't resign with the magic. He extended his contract with the magic before free agency even started. And I think there is a clear, uh, there's, I think there's a very, very clear value um, that he brings both him and Ross. um, But I guess even Gary, because, you know, Ross is a little bit older than Gary in terms of, I think Ross is what, 31. I think Gary's 28. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, you have all these young guys, but you do need someone, maybe a little bit older who has this certain, who who has a role and knows their role in Gary and who can provide it consistently on a day in, day in, uh, day in and day out basis who can grow with the team. Um, as maybe one of the older guys on the roster who can, you know, when you get to playoff time, um, when that comes, if that comes, um, he can help, you know, maybe share some experiences or help share some wisdom about like, all right, when it's crunch time, like, this is what we need to do. This is what we need to do. Like he can be a guy that he's not the most vocal guy that Jamal and the coaching staff can lean on, you know, in those moments, because he's been there, you know, people sometimes forget like Gary's been in the league a while. He had a couple of playoff runs with Denver. Um, I think he was, he was on that team that went to the conference finals in the bubble with Denver in 2020, um, among other runs. So he can be a guy that, you know, can just be a sounding board and can just be a more steady, steady presence um, in terms of, I guess, leadership, but also just also in terms of just production too. Um, at that age, it's, you know, he's in the prime of his career. Um, so maybe, you know, if you, if you figure out that, you know, he's not going to want to You know, it's only a two-year deal, so maybe figure out he's not going to want to come back after the two-year deal is over, or they figure out oh, we're going to look to go in a different direction, maybe trade him. But I would expect for him to not just be like to stay on this roster for you know before the season starts, you know, and but also past the trade deadline. Ross is there, like we'll see what happens with him. Uh, He seems he did seem rejuvenated uh once after you know this summer after paulo was picked and just seeing paulo but like he did seem rejuvenated to be back with the group in that sense um but you know sometimes it's just hard to tell because uh hard to tell what the magic are thinking just because they keep their uh, cars pretty close to the vest um and you just don't know maybe they maybe they get the deal that they want and maybe ross will be happy you know i think orlando will always be home for us i said this on his podcast just because he's been here for so mm-hmm. long. Uh It's kind of set up roots here, but maybe if he can feel that, Hey, maybe the magic, you know, maybe it's going to take a little bit longer. Maybe he'll want to go somewhere else just so he can cash in on however many years he has left in his career. Uh, you know, it's so maybe to contend, but I wouldn't, you know, I think he's going to also be on this roster. Well, I knew he was going to, I figured he's going to be on the roster coming to training camp. And maybe I would expect for him to stay on the roster, even going to the season. Um, but I still watch out for them. And even a guy like RJ, I would keep an eye on. I'm Again, this is more speculation, not reporting. I just keep an eye on him because we're talking about all these guards. Um, and I'm just trying to figure out what his role will look like um, going forward. You know, when you do have Markel, when you do have um, Jalen, when you do have Cole, you know, you are you know, you have those guards and you do have Gary. And you and they're all younger guards. So what is his role going to be, you know, maybe in how much playing time is he realistically going to get playing alongside these guys, there is a role for him on this team, but I just don't know how much time he's going to get to carve out that role. You know, when he's playing, you know, they also have Caleb now who could play us not the same. I think they're two very different players, but in terms of what maybe the mashup asks of them in terms of role, maybe be a more similar positional fit role, like maybe playing more two, or even sometimes in RJ's case, playing the three in certain lineups um, alongside another guard. And Caleb's going to play a lot to probably three in certain lineups. Um, so those are guys I'll just keep an eye on. Uh, Caleb. I'm not Caleb. Rao. Wow. RJ, <laughs> uh Gary and Terrence, and, but not not so much Gary, just because I think there is maybe a little bit of, uh, I don't know what you want to call long-term, but maybe more long-term uh, interest in having Gary in Orlando for the veteran leadership, but also the steady on-court production he can bring. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, the the medium-term uh, view for Gary Harris. Yeah, medium-term, there we go. <laughs> I think he he does seem fairly locked in, uh, to what the magic's plans look like. Uh, at least that was my interpretation of it, but uh, T Ross, who knows? Yeah. We've, we've gone from kind of grumpy T Ross to, to reinvigorated, you know, like living the dream again, T Ross. And that's been nice to see, you know, T, T. Ross has been such an awesome presence for so long now. Um, he's been a fan favorite for a while and we kind of just want the best for T Ross. So if he's excited to be around the team, and hanging out and like trying to kind of scratch and claw and get to the playoffs this season and and stick it out. That would be amazing. Um, And if he wants to go to a contender, then I think all of Magic fans would uh, give him our blessing and say, yes, go win a championship T. Ross. You have served us well. Uh, I will be sad to ever watch him light the torch for another team. But I believe that uh, he will wherever he is continue to just keep getting off shots and keep knocking him down with a hand in his face. So we're excited for that really interested in, in who the magic are, are potentially wanting to acquire long-term. I think this is something that's tough to speculate on because there's so much learning to be done this season uh, as far as who's going to kind of be a part of this thing, uh, who the building blocks are outside of, I guess, Paolo and maybe Franz for sure. Uh, and what that looks like the fan base at least has sort of lashed onto this idea and this is something I echo as far as what my view of the team is is of more just a true shooting guard uh, as a need uh, so the, an edit of Devin Booker's face on Devin Kennedy's body uh, was going around on Twitter uh, I think it was Bag, Bagberg Begberg, whoever that is uh, good follow follow him um, <laughs> did that? Devin responded and had some fun with it. But the idea of like there's there's the Jordan Pool scandal for a little bit. Oh yeah, we're gonna get him in restricted free agency. It's like what? It's a very long time from now. So we got Poole, Booker. I've heard Buddy Healed as like somebody who, if Indiana's kind of just trying to unload some dudes and uh, Orlando's having a pretty above average season, they want to kind of go for it and, and move some things around to get Buddy Healed. That could happen. Do you see some sort, any sort of like organizational urgency to land this type of player, or is that just kind of total fan speculation? Uh, and do you think we even, you know, Orlando even needs somebody like that?
1: I mean, if you can get Devin Booker, I'm not going to say they don't, quote unquote, need that. Yeah, but I don't think I think this season really, it, and that's the thing about. The NBA, things can happen, things can change so quickly. I mean, look at what the, look at where the Cavaliers were this time yeah. last year. Like, literally, look at where they were October 2021 and just how quickly things changed. They were coming off of what, how many games did they win in the 2020, 2021 season? Like 22, 23, Not a lot. 24, somewhere. I think they won somewhere in the 20 games. And next thing you know, they win somewhere in the 40s. I think they won 44 games, 43 games, make the play in, lose in the play in. And then next thing you know, you you trade for Donovan Mitchell. Uh, and then you just, like, you change, like, the complex – like, you change the outlook of your team. And this is coming – all you know, that's 14 or, what, 16, 17 months after, you know, you having a tw- finish wrapping up a 20-something one season. Mm-hmm. So things can change quickly in this league in terms of, like, the Magic are equipped to – they're equipped to make that kind of deal, to make that kind of look. So, like, hey, if there's a discontent – uh, a star who's not happy – uh, around the league uh, to make that sort of move. I think really this year is going to be about evaluation. You know, they've acquired so much young talent, like we're rattling off names. I didn't even, I meant to, but I didn't even mention Mobamba as a guy who I'm looking forward to mm-hmm. seeing off the bench, like what he's going to bring. We saw a more polished version of him last season. I, I think even if his numbers are down, his efficiency and his just impact is going to be up this year in a you know in a similar role just playing alongside maybe different combinations and different lineups and just another year of playing the most basketball he's played and just learning and being healthy so but that's the guy they have so much talent i didn't even mention him when i'm excited about seeing from mm-hmm. him that i don't know if how much young talent they're trying to acquire i think is more so going to be all right let's evaluate the guys we have let's see what what guys can fit next to who and what we have an idea of their skill sets but how have they grown from last season or the season before? Who's going to do what? We don't know about JI. Like once, they, yeah. like JI had. You know, we talk about this team defensively being like this could be a really strong unit. Like you said, I think they were seventh, but they were top ten after the All Star break. You know, you that was without potentially your best defender, a guy who before he got injured was looking like a DPOI candidate, um, or uh, and for sure an all defensive candidate. So what what can what is our team going to look like? And then once we have an idea of like, all right. These are our guys. Like they, I think they have an idea of who their guys are, but like these are for real our guys. We're solidifying it now. All right, then we can zone in on or lock in on, you know, Devin Booker. If you want to use that sure. name, I I was so <laughs> random that I saw you know I don't mean to interrupt like take like go on a tangent, but that was so random to me, <laughs> like. Was that because of Media Day and the Suns' vibes were bad? Because all I know is, like, I saw this. I saw it because Devin Kennedy interacted with this. Like, what's he he talking about? And I saw the – where did that come from? Like, where – like, sometimes I
0: look at these names like, where are you guys getting these names from? Hey, Unrestricted Free Agency 2023. That's where we're getting these names from. You know, you got to just take a peek. You know, who has blow-up potential? Phoenix vibes are down, like you said. Who knows? Maybe Devin Booker's ready to just kind of get away and and go to nice sunny Florida. Uh, he's used to the hot temperatures, and he could just come here and get some buckets for the Orlando Magic. You never know.
1: I I'm just I'm not showing it now. I'm just I was just curious <laughs> about like where where the inspiration yeah. came from. But I do you know in terms of that, you know if you're talking about more like the prototype in terms of a player they could use. Uh, yeah, I think if you add in maybe it doesn't hurt to have more creators. So if you can get maybe a guy who can play, if it's a combo guard or even more of a two, who can play alongside, you know, Jalen Cole, Marquette, like a guy who can play next to them, but, but provide the shooting. Um, and a a little bit more size, um, maybe in that six, five to six, 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 seven range Mm -hmm. with the shooting, with, uh, uh, the scoring ability, but those players are just really hard to come by. um, And most teams who have that guy are very unwilling, hundred percent, to trade them unless unless there is blow up potential in certain uh, in certain areas. Like look, we can uh, maybe we should do this after the podcast. There's speculation that I have (laughs) about something I would love to see happen. But if I say it on here, I'm worried someone's going to aggregate it. Don't the- worry. I'm going to not said-
0: important enough to aggregate at this point. you know.
1: <laughs> no, that's a lie. We're I'm going to bring up a name after this, and I want to see your reaction.
0: But, perfect. I'll, I'll make sure to tweet it out so you get aggregated anyway. Uh, oh, okay, we- <laughs> perfect. Appreciate that. Okay, so we're moving on. This is the final question. Of the, the seven big questions, I might ask you 20 questions. I don't even know where we're at. But this is the the final question. Uh, I want to hear you, Kobe Price. I want to hear you talk about what you think the Orlando Magic's realistic ceiling is, realistic outcome is for this season. Are the Orlando Magic going to be a playoff team in
1: 2022-23? I uh, got my gut says no, they will not be in the playoffs in 2022, 2023. Um, not because I don't think they're gonna grow. I think they will grow. I think they will eclipse 30 wins this season. I know that's not like a huge mark, but when you're coming from 22, making that 10, that's not that's not the hardest jump, but that's still a jump, uh a decent jump to like at least give you hope that more better's on the way. Um the East is so tough this year. Cause if you think about it. All right, we're going to go through it right now. This is going to make for bad podcasting, but we're just going to roll in just see how this goes. Between Boston, Atlanta, Chicago, Cleveland, Miami, Brooklyn, Philly, Toronto, and Milwaukee, only six of those nine teams that I just listed off are going to make the playoffs outright. And there's only one more team that I didn't list off between Boston, Atlanta, Cleveland, Miami, Brooklyn, Philly, Toronto, Milwaukee. Of those nine teams I listed off the first time, there's only going to come be one more team that can get into the plan. And for Orlando, they have to battle Washington, Charlotte, New York Knicks, just those three, and then also, obviously, the Pacers in Detroit. And Now, I do see it, like, I think, especially when you see Washington, Charlotte, and uh, the Knicks, they're in a different – phase of their like they're all going to be pushing as hard as they can to make that whatever that last play in spot and maybe one of the nine teams i mentioned are going to fall out of playing contention uh playing contention or even playoff contention they'll just fall out completely they'll just have an abysmal season that nobody expected but of the nine teams that i'm viewing as like quote unquote play in locks the nine listed the first time if you want to forget said what i said the second time that was eight like i don't see any of those teams i mean maybe chicago because the weirdness with Lonzo Ball, and maybe Boston because of, because of, you know what?
0: <laughs> which, uh, which shall not see, be named, yeah.
1: Yeah, and may, I don't see many of those teams getting worse. Maybe even Miami, but Miami's such a a machine in a way. I don't see them dropping out of the play. And maybe, the, they, may, maybe they go from one to seven, but not from one to 11. right um, And I still think Miami's going to make the playoffs outright. So if I, I've told you the nine teams I've viewed, as playing locks to be that last team. I just think there are other teams who are more sure about who they are and are going to be more pressed to get into that playing. just because they know, all right, this is our team. We're not going to be experimenting as much. We're not going to be trying out as many things. We're going to be all about making that last playing spot, especially with the Knicks and Charlotte and Washington. I think they're going to be more this entire season just matters on making the plan and possibly making the playoffs. I think the Orlando, they're going they're taking the more long-term view mm-hmm. in terms of, they're going to try some, they're going to try things out. We talk about the bigger lineups. They're going to try things out, try out these combinations. And maybe it doesn't always lead to wins. Oh, it's to some entertainment for sure. If we're talking about these big lineups, but I think it's going to be to me, something realistic is a 30, 34 win season, um, 32, 34 win season rather. Uh, and it's just a lot of experimentation, a lot of trying things out, maybe locking in on a certain guys. Once you get to like, all right, I know what to expect. Um, I know who can do what and kind of putting the pieces together more in a way that we didn't get to see last season. But I I think that'd be realistic. Maybe taking, you know, what what were they? 15th in the East last year, maybe getting up to 13 or 12. I think that's realistic, but ultimately I could see them get into the play-in, but I think if they did that, one, they would have to climb over like, like I said, five different teams to get there. And maybe two teams I could see for sure. Indiana, Detroit, I could see for sure maybe even one of Washington and Charlotte in New York, but to do all five of those teams that I think they would be in, forget if another team of the nine fell down, that that would be hard for me to see at least for the 2022, 2023 season. But even with that, I think a 30, like I said, if they went 32 and 50 and Paulo, you know, he shows like, yeah, you lived up to the expectations of the number one pick as a rookie. And we see more self-creation from Franz and, that off-ball defense, I'm sorry, that off-ball defense from France can be ridiculous too. Uh, if we can see those things, if we can see just individual growth, you know, maybe a little bit more shooting, and a uh, little bit more shooting, and not having to be the primary ball handler from Jalen, you know, attacking bit defenses, defensive defenses, you know, a little bit more off-ball work from Cole, you know, what Marquel can bring, what you know, all these younger guys can bring then you feel, all right, we may have got to we improve by uh, 10 wins or however many wins. We have a better idea of who fits with who. We saw some growth individually. And I think 2023, 2024 is the season where it's like, all right, let's get in that play-in. Like, we're going for that play-in playoff. And so we need to get back into that, like, for sure mix. But I think the season is a lot about the growth and experimentation and evaluation. And I think you will probably see that maybe – uh, take not precedent, but valued a little bit more than just like, all right, we need to get this random win in February because if we don't, we're going to fall out of the standings. I, I don't think they're going to get locked in on, uh, you know, certain teams, especially when they're trying to get in playoff mode, they can lock in like, this is our seven to eight man rotation. And we're going to play these guys all 25, 26, 27 plus minutes just so we can get to the, that play on spot. Like our main guys are going to play 38 minutes tonight just so we can get there. Um, when I say when I'm saying this a lot, I wasn't I wasn't even thinking of them at first, but I started to think about Toronto yeah. when I was saying how this. could you not?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, just like we're playing seven, eight guys, <laughs> or even like a Tibbs team. They're playing yeah. seven eight guys we're just going for it. I don't see Orlando being in that position this season. And I, because of that, I think you may see it reflecting the stains a little bit more, but maybe you see you get to see more of different guys a little bit more, if that makes sense.
0: For sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's a smart and tempered take. Uh, and it, what you talk about as far as like organizational view of what this season means, I think that might end up being what would hold Orlando back beyond just injury struggles and XYZ, uh, obviously the growing pains of youth, but the willingness to just, yeah, like you were saying, experiment and mess up and be okay with like poor lineup construction and uh, be okay with playing nine, 10, 11 man rotations just to get some guys, some run um, and evaluate. If that is the organizational focus of the season, it is going to be tricky to really pull out uh, a ton of games.
1: Now I will say, I think they're also there, there's mistakes, some like mistakes or lapses or stuff like that. I think there will be more, less of a leash for those kinds of things. I think you will see guys if they if they're having the same mission over and over again, I think they will, you know, they will get pulled out. I mean, I think what they're trying to do is like not only are we gonna, it's just two ways. It's just two things. not only reinforce like, hey, you're making a mistake, we can't have that, but also not only are you making a mistake, they have so much young talent that like we can't we can afford to allow you to make mistakes in that sense, but we also we can't afford to because we have another guy we need to evaluate who plays your position or is going to fit a role similar to yours. So if you're making the same mistake over and over again, we need to see what this guy can do in this in this role and what you're doing because we just need to see what he looks like. And I think you may see more, of, like, even if it's – maybe that will also cause the rotations to be bigger too because there's going to be more guys having to maybe fight further spots a little bit more than they did last year. Last year, it was like guys had a little bit more, you know, freeway or – um Things are a little bit more open and just talking with guys, talking with, you know, I think the, the players feel it, too, because the players talking with them individually, like, yeah, things are going to be different this year. We're not going to have the same um, freedom to, make, you know, to make the same mistakes over and over again that we did last year. It's going to be, um, a, we're going to be a little bit more, I guess you would call it disciplined or we're going to have to tighten the ship a little bit. And maybe with the tighten the ship doesn't always lead at least a little bit more wins, but at least a little bit more of like, hey, I'm not going to say anybody's name because... People want to go, but hey you you just had another turnover you had this defensive lapse i'm sending this guy in who may not be you know it may not be the same you know level of player but at least i know they can do this better than what you're showing me right now and then we're gonna you're gonna learn about it when we're together you know either they're gonna sit with me on the bench or we're gonna talk about their game watch watching film and then we're gonna see how you go but i think you're gonna see more of that than maybe you did last year when guys were making mistakes and they stayed in the game more or had the same role game to game or regardless of kind of what they did that previous game
0: 100 percent. that's where competition breeds accountability sometimes uh, especially in a exactly. young team and I think that'll be a huge part of how the Orlando Magic kind of achieve something this season beyond uh, where the expectations are set right now and kind of fill into that like Cavaliers role from last year where guys start taking a leap uh, because they know there there's there's competition and it's it's a deep team with young talent and uh, you need to fight for your spot and you need to earn it on the court and play good basketball is something Jeff Weltman says very often like we just want to get better playing good basketball uh, and that's what they're trying to do right now uh, my uh, bold take which is not nearly as bold as Mark Markel Fultz saying that we're going to be the four seed uh, which would be outstanding I appreciate that he kind of doubled down on it uh, in an interview uh, during media day but I do think Orlando will make the uh tournament. I hear what you're saying about definitely those three like ultimate professional teams with New York and Washington uh, and Charlotte, who I do think is going to kind of fall off. Maybe, maybe Charlotte might not be the ultimate professional team. Uh, maybe the opposite. Uh, and I do think Chicago of that nine that you mentioned and you you pointed this out as well has a has a greater chance to sort of fall down a little bit. Uh, maybe Demar coming back to earth. They had ridiculous clutch numbers last year. Their net rating did not reflect what their record should be. And that that's what kind of happened to them post all-star break where they started losing some games and falling off that pace. They were the one seed for a little while. I don't think that's sustainable. Uh, Lonzo might be out for the whole year, they were saying, which is really sad. Um, I love Lonzo Ball, but that's a huge piece of their team. Their defense fell apart without him last year as well. Uh, orthoscopic off-season surgery for Levine. There's just a lot going on there. Vooch, who knows where he's at? He had a really awful shooting season last year. Uh, so it's kind of a weird squad there. I could see them sort of taking a step back and being more in that play in range. Uh, and I think Orlando is going to start flirting with just being ahead of schedule and is there some homerism and some hope there? And, and am I ignoring some concerns about the shooting and maybe some of the depth and the injury issues? Of course I am because I love the Orlando Magic. But <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I think that there is there's a 40-win team in there somewhere. And do I think it's the most likely thing that's going to happen? Perhaps not. But do I think it's a totally valid thing that could happen? Absolutely. Markel Fultz comes back. Uh, is an absolute orchestrator of the offense last season. Uh, when he comes back, he's seven and seven, we have a 500 record with him. I know it's against some weird tanking teams here and there, but regardless, he is a he's the ultimate table setter. We get year two of Franz and Suggs. We get Paolo Banquero coming in, the most NBA ready rookie of anybody outside of maybe Keegan Murray, and he's probably even a little bit ahead of him, even though he's uh, at like a two year deficit as far as age. Uh, Wendell Carter taking the leap Mo Bamba being rightfully a guy coming off the bench who can come in and kind of stretch out and defend the rim, but isn't tasked with having to be a starting big every single night in the NBA, which is something he was not ready for last year. In my opinion, um, J.I. hopefully coming back healthy. All these young guys that we have mentioned. Gary Harris coming back, professional. T. Ross isn't grumpy anymore, professional. We're, we're, the, the Orlando Magic are pretty deep and pretty good. Uh, and they have some of these, these variants uh, type of guys who can come in and potentially provide some real pop. I know the NBA is really deep and really good with talent right now, so it's hard to it's hard to evaluate uh, in a vacuum, because you look at the landscape of the league and everybody's really talented. Uh, but Orlando is ready to win some games and they're ready to start a kickstart and give some of their players some, some meaningful games and let these young guys experience those things. And I'm excited to see what that looks like. No doubt betting the over. I think it's at 25 and a half, which is an insult to my intelligence <laughs> and something like the 26 and a half. It's crazy low. Uh, there is an assumption that Orlando is like straight up tanking this season, which I just don't think makes a ton of sense.
1: Yeah. I've seen it anywhere between 25 and a half to 27 and yeah. a half regardless like depending on the day where I look, I, if, if it's 20, even if it's 27 and a half, I would take the over on yeah. that. I think, uh, I think yeah. their approach is going to be different than last Below year. Below
0: 30 wins months. would be a strongly disappointing season. I think for this group, I think bringing back, especially some of these dudes who weren't playing this nearly as much last season, bringing in the number one pick, there's enough talent that there should be 30 wins here. Uh, and that's something that like Moes, I'm sure is aware of, but that's something where we need to see, you know, year two Mo's kind of growing into his role as well. He had never been a head coach previously, being able to like squeak out wins and be able to execute. Uh, ATOs and be creative with this team and be able to, to win some games. And I know that's not going to be the end all be all, but it's important to win games. And that's a, that's a culture setting thing for this franchise, especially moving forward, not just getting stuck uh, in this kind of hamster wheel of, of losing and losing big all the time. Uh, But exciting times in Orlando, the vibes are immaculate. Kobe, you were, you were a great interview. Thank you for taking so long. Uh, you know, time just kind of slips away when I talk Orlando magic basketball. And, uh, I appreciate you being with me every step of the way there. Uh, you, you provide incredible coverage. You provide incredible clips. I know you're the first person to show that J.I. was still alive last season. You know, you had that clip. <laughs> that went viral. Everybody was hype about you're always posting things that uh, are relevant uh, and smart and, uh, just appreciate you hopping on here and, and talking hoops with me uh is there anything that you want to plug anything you're working on right now or your twitter what you got going on in your life
1: uh yeah i guess in terms of plug uh definitely if, if you don't already subscribe to the orlando Sentinel, um i have Cole anthony's story uh that spoke i, I went to his uh youth basketball camp the one that maybe people saw that he was blocking kids (laughs) and showing them up spoke with him a lot there about you know his approach to the offseason and um, what he worked on I'll I'll spoke with his dad uh, Greg Anthony his dad was there too Uh, and just talking with them about like what what's different for for call i mean obviously we see the physical difference but you 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 mentioned it earlier like no more eating whatever whatever it was chick-fil-a and whatever papa he's eating john's, papa john's. <laughs> yeah papa john's <laughs> yes, which, shout out for him because papa john's despite popular consent opinion is a good pizza but anyway
0: <laughs> the average it's pretty, it's pretty but i i kind of love Domino's, so i don't really have any room to stand you know domino's been fueling me since since college no doubt
1: Uh, but yeah, speaking, so speaking with him about his, his, what he's, what he's, his, the transformation, I guess, not just of his like physically, but also, I guess his approach to the game and what was, what I guess you can expect different from cold this year. And there are other stories, I guess, in the bank that are going to be kind of be rolling out, um, kind of give like an inside look into the players and what they're thinking and how they're approaching the season, um, that we, you know kind of uncover things a little bit more just get, get to i guess get help people get to know the players a little bit better than they may have um i'll be you know you follow me on twitter uh kobe k-h-o-b-i underscore price on twitter i have so this during EuroBasket i created another twitter account uh it's called kobe's b-ball clips hopefully the bad men on twitter don't Copyright infringement, whatever they do, because I had a couple of them taken down. I got the account suspended for a moment. So, <laughs> which, by the way, I know everybody posts basketball clips on Twitter, so I don't know. My, <laughs> yeah, that, that's
0: targeting. That's very rude.
1: <laughs> it's very just like, why am I being targeted for this? But as long as Twitter does not shut down my account, it's Bball Kobe uh on Twitter. You can follow that account too. Uh, there's only maybe like a few clips posted. I'm not going to lie, again, suspended kind of spooked <laughs> for, for a little bit. But uh, once the season gets underway, I'll be posting on there a lot more uh, sets, actions, or just things that catch my attention, whether it's, you know, Franz's pull up or call off ball work or Paulo uh, learning how to get deep position the post and make that uh, cross court pass to someone in the corner. Um, whether guys are making good entry passes to Paolo or whoever's working the post, like that kind of stuff that I just find interesting from a game to game, possession to possession basis. Maybe be single clips, uh, variety of them. But yeah, once preseason games are going rest, once regular season goes, I'll be more active. As long as that account is still (laughs) live and well, I don't know, I don't know when this is coming out. And for all I know, that account can be suspended before (laughs) this comes out. So. I'm just letting you guys know. I to apologize to Twitter, so I won't do it again. But I will do it
0: again. So, <laughs> yeah, that's all right. that's, a uh, that that that's to that's that's a plug. That comes as your official apology. Kobe's B-ball clips. I'll, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll have your back. All right, I'll have your back on that. But yeah, follow Kobe for all things uh, Orlando Magic. He is the goat. Orlando Magic. Follow. So make sure you you give him a follow. We appreciate him hopping on, and thank you to the listeners. Y'all have been. Uh, Excellent. We had an amazing response to the first episode, over 30 different countries tuned in to the NBAU podcast, uh, which is just an absolutely incredible uh, thing to be a part of um, and a huge blessing for me. And man, just like keep spreading the word, you know, spread that NBAU gospel. If you love what you heard today, leave a five star review. Uh, Even if you didn't love what you heard today, leave a five star review. Just help me out. All right uh anywhere you get your podcast tell your friends share it uh follow NBAU on Twitter if you haven't already one would assume if you're here you probably do but super excited to keep this thing going a ton of really truly incredible guests coming up so excited kobe is just setting the table for people who are not quite as great as him uh but are are you know almost on his level you know so we're really excited for what we got coming Uh, Keep tuning into the NBAU podcast. Big apologies on our end for the delay in releasing this episode. The hurricane uh, did not help. We're still dealing with technical difficulties. You might notice my audio is a little bit different than last time. And that's because my computer broke and my microphone doesn't fit this computer that I'm borrowing from my neighbor. We just got a lot going on, but that's okay. We survive, we rise above, we adapt just like the Orlando magic. And we're gonna uh, put this podcast out and it's gonna be a W. Uh, We're so excited to have you on board. Keep putting things in the mailbag. Keep bringing your questions. And keep following along. And we're excited to bring you daily content on NBA University on Twitter and weekly podcasts from the NBAU podcast. Thank you for everything. MBAU out.